Here he is. Hello, mate. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Welcome to the Hitting the Areas podcast with me, Jamie Roberts, and my co-host, as usual, Richard Kyson. Evening, Jambo. Evening, mate. Um, so Who's on? We, today, we are going to be interviewing um, uh, an ex-pro called Stephen Gregory. Um, I know Steve um, quite well. Went to school with Steve. Uh, he was a year above me at school. Um, and, and we have some mutual friends and, and um, we asked if he'd like to come on and tell his story about his football career. Um, you know, he's still a young guy. He's only a year older than me, so he's 34. Um, um, actually coming up. So, he's, you know, he's... We're just going to talk to him about what happened throughout his career. Um, you know, and he's had a very, very interesting career um steve um and we start big managers yeah yeah so obviously where he started we'll look at where he started to where he finished and uh, and what happened in between Uh, um and then and eventually what he then goes into so is we'll we'll talk to uh steve about his work within the fitness industry um and and one thing that you need to know about steve is he is an absolute brilliant motivator um and and has a fantastic outlook on life um and clearly loves his life um and everything in it so this is going to be a really interesting story absolutely Um, mate i just can't wait to get started so should we we welcome him on yep let's get steve on okay so today i'd like to welcome on steve gregory steve how are you very well, mate. I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. No, Always thank you. To talk football with, with two uh, people like yourself. So it's yeah, good. no worries. Uh, I've got Big Rich as usual, the co-host. Rich, you good? Yeah, all good. Steve, you okay, mate? Very well. Very well, thank you. Good stuff. So um, I've known uh, I've known Steve sort of a little bit for years now we both went to the same school i was a year younger than than steve um and uh we've got a mutual friend <laughs> um who who works for steve um and obviously i know steve went on to to have a, a professional career with with some football league clubs which we'll talk about um so we're going to get straight into it and we're going to start with you at a youth level and your, your first club effectively so if you want to sort of tell us about uh, yeah. your youth level yeah thanks mate um i i start i first start right back when i first started playing football it was quite i was quite old really especially when i see kids now you know like getting snapped up at sort of six seven years old i didn't actually start playing even sunday league till i was nine um I sort of, I love football, obviously. I was always playing in the garden at school, primary and stuff, but I never thought, like, would I join a team or whatever? And then, and then, um, anyway, from, from going to primary school and stuff, playing in the programme, people would say that I was good, you know, I'd be, like, first picked in PE and stuff. And I, th- <laughs> I think my dad was like, yeah, let's take you down to Tame Boys. So I went to Tame Boys and uh like trained once or twice with them and the manager was like yeah you you know you're good let's let's get you in 
So it wasn't anything I was taking that seriously at a young age, but after literally three or four games playing for Tame Boys uh, under nines, I got scouted by Oxford United, um, who at the time were like quite a big club, you know, they're mm. not, not a big club now, but they obviously had some times down in the lower leagues, but they were like in the old Div 1, I think, like championship back then. And I was thinking, wow, okay, right. So I went to the trial, like a mass trial, you know, one of these things where there's hundreds yeah. of kids. And ended ended up getting all the way through to the final team and got selected into that. So I ended up in sort of Oxford's under 10s. But in those days, you never got pulled out of your Sunday league team. So you'd go and train in the nights for, I would go training for Oxford and then still play for Tame at the weekends. And um, anyway, my dad kind of realised, like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't good for Oxford's level. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't a standout player. And he kind yeah. of, I think, quickly realised that to make it or, or to be looked after, you need to be one of the best players in the team at, at youth level. So um, I only spent about six months at Oxford and he took me over to Wickham Wanderers, um, who, who were a couple of divisions lower. And not as big of an academy or a centre of excellence. So for me, it was a bit confusing. I was like, you know, Oxford's better than Wickham, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, he was right. You know, I got, I got, I went to another mass trial and got all the way through to final pickings and ended up in their team. And I think that I was under 11s then. And I stayed there then, you know, all the way through, uh, stopped playing for Tame at under 12s, started playing matches for Wickham Wanderers and went all the way through to under 16. So my whole kind of secondary school um, age, I was playing for Wickham. So obviously you were in Wickham, was it the YTS scheme and stuff like that? And uh... oh, mate, so, so yeah, I was, but I actually got released by Wickham. So oh. they, they screwed up the intake for YTS. Um, the age group above mine, they called like this golden generation where they uh, it was meant to be six players from each age group would get a YTS to make up an 18 man. There was um, youth team and the year above mine, they took in nine because wow. they thought actually this team, there's, there's so many potential good players. We don't want to let them go. Um, and that meant for my age group, there was only three, right? Oh. And one had to be a goalkeeper. So there's two outfield players that they could take. And um, they decided not to take me. So, we, I mean, if I think about it at the time, everyone was telling me, all the parents were saying to my mum and dad, Steve will be the first player they sign. Like, and if I look back now, I, I was always thinking... I don't think I won't, I don't think I won't get one. You know, I was like captain of the under 16s. Like I'd even trained with the reserves when I was still at school. Um, but anyway, the youth team manager changed sort of three months prior to me finishing school. He came to one uh, under 16 game and picked the players from that one game. So he picked a left back called Will Stockwell uh, the goalie, which was a given, and um, the, another centre midfielder. So the lad I used to play centre midfielder called Liam Greer, um, and released everyone else. Right, so I was like 16, 
released from Wickham. But as we just spoke about, I was playing in the county team and I got released from Wickham. And the next day I had a trial at Man City, I had a trial at Charlton. Um, so I went to Man City for a week, which was amazing. Yeah, um, like Daniel Sturridge was, so Daniel Sturridge was a set, is the same age and he, um, he was already training full time then. So I went when I was still a school at school. I got pulled out of school for a week. Thought I was the absolute a legend. Yeah. Um, and he was already full time. So when the lads would go to the gym, who were 16 and above, so me and him would just play head tennis with each other. He was unbelievable, as you can imagine. No way. <laughs> and um, I did not he, know that. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, not many people do know this. And and. Um, and then they just said, look, you're, no better, you're good, but you're no better than what we've already got. So thanks mm. a lot. Um, but that actually gave me quite a lot of confidence, you mm. know, to be like, okay, Man City are saying these things. Went to Charlton and they, um, <clears throat> I was there for like six weeks, like scored a couple of goals for the under 16s, like was playing, like felt like I, I wasn't out of place at all. And then they said the same thing. They were like, look, you're good, but you know better than what we've got. But we want to offer you a, it's like, it was like a part-time contract, basically. As a, it wasn't a YTS. It was like, come and train twice a week, go to school three times a week, and then you might or might not play at the weekend. And I was like, nah, like, I'm not doing that. Um, so I went and enrolled into sick form at Lord Williams and thought, oh, that's it, done. Like, I'll just go and play for Cheshire more. A local side and then um i got a letter i'll never forget I got a letter one day randomly one day through the through the post to say due to unforeseen circumstances uh we'd like to offer you yts at wickham wonders basically the left back will failed his medical he got back problems like scoliosis he had oh wow back. and um who by the way he would have made it as a pro he was good like it it he was a good player and uh, they didn't take him. So they said, we'll go with you. So I thought I wasn't going to be bitter about it. I was like, this is my no. opportunity. So I'm going to mm. go for it. And uh, yeah. And then I got my, so I had a bit of a roller coaster to get to that point, but um, got there in the end. Who else was part of that youth team, Steve? So sort of 16 to 18, who else was? Well, um, no one really that made it. So, there was a few players that had just graduated from youth team, like Roger Johnson, who ended up going and playing Premier League. Yeah. Um, Johnny Dixon, who had a yeah, yeah, Johnny. Um, and then Mark Philo, who mm. died. Oh, bless yeah. him! Yeah, mate, what a he player. was unbelievable. Mm. Like really, um, yeah, he would have ended up Championship or Premier League, hundred percent. Mm. Um, and then. The, year, the golden generation, no one made it in, in the year above me. So you probably wouldn't know any, any of those lads. Um, but then Russell, so Russell Martin joined the same time as me, but he mm. was a year above. So he was in the youth team um, as well. And then, uh, so yeah, and the year below me, one year below was a, a Kechianya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who went on to play at decent level? Well, played Scotland. Scotland legend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had the pick of about eight different nationalities. 
Um, and then the year below me again was Matt Phillips, who's obviously mm. the Wickham yeah, producing really decent, decent players, you know. Mm. Um, so it's such a shame. I think they've got the youth team back now, I'm not sure, but no. they've lost, they haven't got it yet. No, no, it's such a shame because they do attract some good players in that area. Mm. They've set up what's like, um, what they call sort of like a Wickham 11, so like a B team, a bit like what yeah. Brentford, Brentford have done, right? So it's not a youth. It's more like an under 23s type thing. Yeah. But they yeah, tend to so pick it, up lads that have been released from other academies. Yeah, so they pick up right, right. lads that they can try and breed straight into the first team um, right. and try and play about 20 games a season. That's the hope. Um, but yeah, there's there's no, there's no um it's not looking like a youth youth team. Like you are literally it's a baptism of fire going into a youth team like now I don't know what it's like now but back then you know we're talking well I'm about to turn 34 so 18 years ago you're 16 years old going into a man's world you know proper man's world it is a baptism of fire um and you grow up literally or you have to grow up like overnight really because um you know the initiations are brutal you have to step up to those you know Back then, you were cleaning change rooms, cleaning toilets, cleaning people's boots. You know, there was a massive level of respect for the older players. And, um, you know, all my friends, really, that I've still got from football are from that time. You know, the young lads at Wickham that yeah. we grew up together. Russell, who we spoke about. Um, Matt Bloomfield, who uh, he came in when he was 19. Um, yeah, those sorts of times, because you're not... There's no egos then, you know, in the youth team mm. scenario. You're all just kind of in it together, obviously trying to get a pro contract, but great times, really good memories from that. Get, the the whole sort of cleaning the boots and cleaning the, the, the stadium stuff, I mean, we spoke to uh, someone that you know <laughs> very well, Darren Curry, um, yeah. and and he, he was saying that, you know, he kind of sees why and, because he had to do it in his West Ham days and stuff like that. And he did it for players that would, you know, tell him to do it again and stuff like that. But, yeah. and, and he was, what was he cleaning? Like the, the round the outside of the pitch and stuff like that until like the lights went off or something. Yeah. So like, yeah. do you, do you, obviously that has now changed. That's there's, you, you, you probably be aware of that, 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 that does really happen anymore. You may get the yeah. odd clean boots, but do you think, that was a good thing for character building or do you think it was a bit far? Certain parts of it, hundred percent. There was, there was definitely moments that it went too far. Um, and it was like borderline bullying, really some of mm. it, you know, in terms of like, you would literally get beaten up. You know what I mean? Like it's not, and that was all due to initiation, toughen you up, blah, blah, blah. That was unnecessary. But in terms of like working, you know what I mean? Like you haven't made it yet. When mm. you're playing in a youth team, you are not a professional footballer. Like let's get that straight. And so whether it's cleaning toilets, maybe not. But if it's cleaning a professional player's boots, I think that is a good thing. If it's um, staying later to clean up the chain rooms, you know, like just picking up, you know the dirty kit helping out the kit man things like that i think are good things i think it's a level of respect that makes you appreciate that growing up as well you know Mm. um so i think there's 
I think there's aspects that are ashamed to lose, but I do understand, yeah, like you said, health and safety and all that stuff would probably step yeah, up. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think probably some HR, HR people come yeah. in and say a few things now, wouldn't they? Uh, what was the best yeah. initiation that you saw, Steve? Well, we, so mine, I had to sing, in, uh, no, I had to dance in front of everyone, so including the first team. <laughs> <laughs> but they put you don't get to choose a song either they just turn it on and you have to dance for a minute and that's kind of like you just have to be as silly as possible right yeah there's no point trying to be good you just got to try and do the worm or something stupid yeah and that lasted pacey like all the new players were doing that but like people like Ketchy who could dance Ketchy <laughs> Anna, it was yeah. amazing you know what I mean the whole place would just light up You've probably seen videos of like uh, Scott McTominay and stuff like singing. I don't know if you've seen yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, he's quality, now, isn't he? Now and then you'll get someone that's good and it's just the best thing ever because <laughs> you're not expecting it at all. Because it all goes quiet, don't you? You see them all on their phones and it all goes quiet and then like someone belts yeah. out like, like a high note and they're everyone sort of like, yeah. and they all like sort of arrive, don't they? Like, oh. So it's just those, mate, that get you sometimes when someone's actually good because you're just not expecting. Yeah. yeah. It's always singing or dancing. I think they still apply now. Yeah, they do. From what I've, yeah, from what I've seen on social media, I think Wickham still do singing. It'll be on like, yeah. it'll be, it'll, it'll be every, on like every the club, every first club away trip. Um, let's move on to, um, you, you went out on loan a couple of times, correct? Uh, yeah, I did. I, or was, was I, that um, prior to your debut for Wickham or was that after? Uh, good question. I went on, um, no, that was after my debut. Right. So I remember your debut. And the reason why I remember your debut is because I was there. <laughs> Peterborough away, 2 0 win. Yeah. The reason I was there is because I took an old friend to their first ever football match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lucky them getting to go to Peterborough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and uh, obviously you came on with Russ, I believe. I think you came on as a sub with Russ. Or you, Russ yeah. was playing, I don't know. But yeah, um, you, you, you came on towards the end of the game. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, it's... Oh, I said, oh, Steve. <laughs> she was like, is that a guy from school? <laughs> like that, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, boy. it is. So... Yeah, so I was actually there, Steve, when I when I saw you make your professional debut. Yeah. Who was uh, the manager at the time? Who was who was manager then? Well, John Gorman was the oh. manager, but he actually wasn't. He he took a sabbatical actually at the end mm. of that season. He had some issues. Yeah. With his wife got cancer. Yeah, Mark Philo died that year as well. Um, and yeah, he he needed some time away from football. And was so, Brownie in charge? Brownie, yeah, Keep yeah. Up. Steve Brown. Um, to be fair, it was long overdue that my debut. I'm not just saying it, <laughs> but I had to be very patient to get that. And um, but we had that was because we went in the playoffs, though, right? Wickham were on yeah. such an amazing run. We had a really good team that year. And brilliant um, manager as well. I had been travelling with the first team for like six months prior to that. Like had been, I think I'd been on the bench a couple of times and not got on. Um, was captain of the reserves, won the like barks Berks and bucks, bucks. Yeah. all that stuff, and uh, yeah, and then finally, uh, Steve Brown rang me on the Thursday before, 
and said, yeah, you're going to get your debut. Because it, it was a nothing game, really. Like, we were already in the playoffs. So I knew on the Thursday that I was going to come on for some, at some point. So, yeah, like, my family came up. It was a great, great moment. Yeah, so you then went out on loan. Hayes and Yedin, one of them. Yeah, that was... That was a long time after me. So I made my day, I think I was 18. Wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was 2007, Jam. So, oh, was it? so, so yeah. basically, so I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Is, so John Gorman was the manager, really liked me. He was like, what a great man John Gorman is. If you've ever met uh, everyone's best mate. Darren Curry said his top three people, he's loved in football. Yeah, so I mean, just, no one would just... ever say different, you know. He's just the, the nicest bloke in the world. Total football would give you all the confidence in the world to go and play. You weren't really fearful of making a mistake. Um, so, yeah, him combined with Steve Brown and, and Keith Ryan gave me my debut. At the end of... We, got, we, we lost in the playoff semi-final. I didn't feature in that at all. Cheltenham? Was it Cheltenham, Rich? Yeah, I yeah. went. Oh, I was there. Yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah. I, was there. I wasn't on the bench. Um, at, after we lost that, it was announced that John Gorman was leaving. Mm. Yeah, gutted. Um, everyone was gutted because he it, it was so loved, well loved. So we were, not only are we not getting promoted, we're also losing a great manager. And then Steve Brown uh, and, and, and Rhino, um, you know, Rhino is also an absolute legend by the way so steve brown but rhino mm-hmm. really looked after the young lads rang me and were like look you've got a massive chance of playing 30 plus games next year um you know you're highly rated whoever comes in will tell will tell them about you and Ketchy. so Ketchy Anyo was a year yeah. below me um he played a couple more games than i had but they were saying look we we think you've got what it takes to play next year so I went away that summer, worked my absolute socks off. You know, it was like, I'm going to be so fit. Whoever this next manager is, I'm going to, I'm going to impress him. In comes Paul Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was not, you know, the polar opposite of John Gorman, you know? Yeah. Like, wouldn't look you in the eye. Was terrifying, you know? Like, was a yeah. quite scary bloke. Had just... That was his first manager job, so he was obviously trying to make an impression and set a stall out. And um, anyway, we play like Woking away in a pre-season game. And I, I was average. Like, I didn't do much. Average, pre-season, finding my way in. He absolutely crucified me at the end of the game, saying, you get Rhino and Brownie telling me you're, you're brilliant. You ever play like that, you'll never play for me. You'll never play, like, completely dumb me, right? So then I'm thinking, this is it. He hates me. I'm never going to play, blah, blah, blah. Like, completely crushed me in one game. And I didn't, I wasn't getting on the bench um, early on in the season. Then we had loads of injuries. So finally, I get on the bench. I I come on against Hereford away. So it's like my second ever appearance. Like, Pretty much changed the game, like as in we were one 0 down. We ended up winning two one, and uh, then I came off the bench again. The following game we won, so started to get in a mm. little bit. Um, but then out of nowhere, he signed um, Tommy um, Doherty. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Doherty. Yeah, 
who, by the way, was amazing. Like, don't get me wrong, he was class. Yeah. It's like the Gattuso of League One, League Two. (laughs) Yeah, that just then threw me out in the pecking order again. Because obviously he's wanting to get promoted, right? So he doesn't want to have a slap on an experienced 19-year-old. Science from Doki, I get thrown out again. Um, Ended up having 25 games as an unused sub in that that league. So basically just sat, sat a whole season on the bench, not playing. Uh, made about five sub appearances or something, and then it was the, the next season I went out on loan. So yeah. was like I can't do this again. I need to play some football. We was meant to go on loan to Oxford in um, in the conference. Yeah, and that fell through last minute. And then like, like literally like, like two days before the season started, there was loads of back and forward about it. It fell through, and then obviously everyone's got their squads then for the first game of the season. So ended up at Hayes and Yedden, who I'd never even heard of, Conference South, but it was brilliant. It was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, you know, men's football every yeah. week. Uh, played, you know, played every game, really enjoyed it. Was still training at Wickham in the, in the week, playing there on the, at the weekend. Um, so yeah, and then, but then I tore my groin pretty severely and was out for about three months. And that was it, really, for my Wickham career. Like, I never, mm. never featured, not even near uh, featuring in the first team uh, f- for the rest of that. And, and there, yeah, got released, got released at the end of that year. And then you stayed at Hayes, was that right? Yeah, exactly. So, so you, well, you signed for Hayes, sorry. As, as signed for Hayes. So, yeah, a bit of a slide indoors moment, really. Sort of, I mean, there was no way I was ever getting signed by a football league club because I was... 20 years old with like five sub appearances to my name, like no mm. chance. Um, <clears throat> the manager, I really enjoyed playing for Hazen Yedin, really enjoyed it. And so I was like, okay, cool. This is it. Thought as a professional, I'm done. Uh, thought my confidence wasn't my, my self-confidence was like, I'm not going to make it as a pro I'm getting released from league two. I'm not even good enough to play there. Like what chance have I got sort of thing. So, um, I had given up really, in a sense. I thought I'd just pick up a few hundred quid a week playing part-time. And uh, I went to, I remember it, I went to enroll at Aylesbury College in a carpentry course. I was like, (laughs) I'll I'll be a chippy. They make all right money. I'll be a chippy and I'll I'll play part-time football. Happy days. That's not a nice little living. And then I went home after going to Aylesbury College and my dad just said, so you've given up then, have you? Is that it? You've given up. And I was like, shit, yeah, you're right. I've given up. And uh, he was like, you're, you are way too good. My dad was quite harsh on me, to be fair, but he was just like, you are way too good to give up. You spent your whole life like wanting to be a pro and you're just going to give up on one man's opinion. You know, he would pin it on Paul Lambert. Mm. Um, so I ended up canning that idea of being a chippy and I went and enrolled to be a PT because yeah the conversation was well what can I do that will complement me being able to be fit be active you know won't I won't be living a chippy's lifestyle I'll be living a PT's lifestyle which will help so I did that so I went and did a PT course played for Hazen Yedin and um and we had a great year you know like all the lads there were like 21 22 point to prove um 
our budget was tiny you know in comparison to some conference south clubs to throw massive money at loads of people and we ended up finishing second in the league afc wimbledon ran away with the league that year um and we uh yeah we went out through the playoffs into we got promoted just at, like completely out of the blue i mean if you bet Hazen Yedder would have been probably favourites to go down that year. But it just show, shows you Steve. what... Sorry, mate. Didn't you score two goals in the final? Yeah. Uh, but that's... Mate, this is, again... I mean, this is like... talk. Football is all about luck, right? It's about the right thing happening at the right time. I I had a good year at Hazen Yedder, but I wasn't on the radar of, like, getting a move or anything like that. It wasn't like... We had a lad there called Lee Hendry. He was miles better than everyone else. He was our best player by a mile. Scored like 25 goals from midfield. I was just like a decent player. Mm. And then <clears throat> we play, um, we played Eastley in the semi-final of the uh, Conference South playoffs. And we're at home first game. We're 4-0 down at halftime. And I get dragged off. I got dragged at halftime. And not, I wasn't playing particularly bad, like worse than it. Everyone was crap, by the way. Yeah. But I was like a defensive midfielder. T- took me off, put on a striker. We ended up um, coming back to 4-2. And I'm thinking I've done it. Like, I'm not even going to play in the second leg. Um, you know, probably probably not going to go up. I've got another year in the conference south. Like, hating my life. We go away to Eastleigh. I play, thankfully. Set up two goals, we win 4-1. And at that game was Terry Brown, who was the AFC Wimbledon manager. Yes, right, yeah. Um, and I, I played really well. I had a point to prove, played really well. And then he came then to the final, um, which he probably would have done anyway. And then, uh, yeah, I scored two goals. We win 3-2. And I had a good game. And then I ended up getting a move to AFC Wimbledon, who, you know would have been in the same league as Hazen Yedlin, but a much bigger club, much bigger club. So were, were you point, out... Would, sorry, on, Rich. I was going to say, were you out of contract with Hayes at the end of that year? Or was it actually them yeah, putting in an but offer? It was, but because I was under 24, they had to pay a fee to... Oh, right, okay. Conversation. It was like 15 grand or something. 20 grand, 15 grand. So at that but, point, would you have gone to full-time once you joined Wimbledon? No, so we're still part-time. still part-time. Wow. So... So then Wimbledon in the conference. So, um, but I was like, but by this time, I was, my self-belief had come back. So I was like, yeah. I want, not only do I want to do this, I believe I can do this. I believe I can be a pro. I believe I can play in the football league. Um, so my whole mindset towards football had changed in that one year at Hazen Eden. Um, and then, and then, you know, a club wanting me enough to pay 15 grand or whatever it was was also, even though that's such a small amount of money in football terms, was still like, wow, okay. Like, Huge confidence boost. I must, be, I must be all right. And then, um, yeah, that year was okay. I think we finished eighth or ninth in the league, being part-time. And then they switched it to full-time. So Wimbledon went from a, like a huge transitional period from like pretty much the whole team changed from my first year to second year because... In the first year, they had all the best Conference South players playing for Wimbledon. So they had the biggest budget. I think I was I was only like 600 quid a week part-time, you know. So they were able to play pay players these, this sort of money mm. who also had another job. 
So <clears throat> they were all the best part-time players, I would say, playing at that level. But then they decided to go pro and, and go full-time. So they had to lose all of those players who would have been like 28, 29, 30, who didn't want to go pro. Mm. And then they signed all these young lads um, who were awesome. The recruitment system, I have no idea who was doing it, but <laughs> oh, that's what did. Because, because they, I think Terry Brown did a lot of it, to be honest. He, yeah. He's got an unbelievable eye for a player, that guy. Um, he'd be such a good person if you, I've got his number, you should put him on. But he's, oh, yeah, uh, we're definitely, definitely. that. He's got an unbelievable, his, his, his management style isn't everyone's taste. He's an old school manager, but his eye for a player is incredible. And he signed players you'd never know, you know, either from lower, lower leagues or had dropped out of academies or whatever. And we just had the best year ever, like the best year ever. It was the most fun I've ever had playing football. We went from being part-time head it and kick it team to total football full-time pro. It was just the best, you know. We, I, we played diamond. I sat at the base of a diamond. Yeah. You know, playmaker. Everything was coming through the midfield. It was brilliant. Great time. And we finished second again in that season. And uh, won in the playoffs on penalties against Luton. Who was in that team with you? Um, Danny Kedwell. Who, uh, oh, he's a good. Yeah, he's a good yeah. forward. I like to good like forward. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, funny enough, I watched the playoff final the other other week. My mum mom gave me a load of box stuff that was in there, so I watched it. Um, I don't know if you'll know many players, so I'll name I'll name the team, the starting yeah, team. Yeah, go for it. Okay, yeah. Seb Brown was in goal. Yeah. Yep. Sammy Hatton right back. Um, Ishmael Yakubu. Yeah. Who was at Barnet before Yeah. Yep. And Jamie Stewart was centre-back. Jamie Stewart was like an old... Older guy then. He had been at Rushton Diamonds before. Oh Left back was Gareth Gwillem, who again, um, he'd been at Barnet, I think. Then you had me playing at the base, uh, Ricky Wellard. And, yeah. Um, Rash Rashid Youssef, which I don't know where he is now, but he was an unbelievable yeah. player. Um, I think he was originally at Wim Wimbledon. Yeah, the original I think one. he was. Yeah, yeah, he might have been at the original Wimbledon years. I don't know. Well, he was young, mate. We're, we're uh, maybe not. Then. He was younger than me. Would have been your age, Jamie. Mm. I think. Um, okay. Luke Moore at the top. Yeah. Of the then we had uh, Danny Kedwell and um, Khaled Mohammed up front. Mm. Okay. It was rapid. So like Khaled <laughs> Mohammed still plays. I'm, I'm, would he still be in the football league? Was it Port Vale clubs like that? Yeah, Port Vale is that, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, kind of lads you don't really know, but, like, we just had an incredible team spirit and uh, confidence, really. Yeah. That's what it was that carried us through. And, again, I had a good year, but I wasn't thinking I'm definitely getting a move at the end of this season. You know, it was like, I'd, by this point, I had an agent because they just swarm you mm. when you're at that level and you're a young lad. And he was in my ear a lot saying this club, this club. But I wasn't really paying attention. I was loving my life at Wimbledon anyway. So it wasn't on the radar. And then I the best game I probably played all season was the playoff final. Yeah. Um, and watching it back the other week, you know, I um, had a really good game. And the comment it's amazing what commentary can do to, uh, to help <laughs> you out. Because the commentator was 
well, the guest commentator was Steve Evans, who's like was the Crawley manager, and they got yeah. bloody hell. <laughs> Big Steve Evans. Uh, Big yeah. Steve. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> turns out he rated me because he was banging on about uh they got to, they've got to get hold of Gregory. Gregory's dictating the game. Gregory's running the show. He's doing this. He's doing that. And you know, I, I wasn't playing. It was you wouldn't watch that game on mute and think I was, but you know when a commentator starts saying it and mm. you start believing it. So anyway, in come AFC Bournemouth out of nowhere and and snap me up that season. So yeah, we get promoted and and I'm thinking I'm in the football league. I'm a pro footballer in the football league. We're in League Two. Unbelievable. I love I love Wimbledon. Um didn't wasn't my radar to leave. They took us to Vegas. It was awesome. I get back, go straight on holiday with my girlfriend, now wife. I'm in Portugal and I get a call. Bournemouth bid bid for you, 80 grand. I was like, what? Wow. Bournemouth had just just lost. I watched the game. They lost the semi playoff semi-final in League One. So like good League One club. Mm. He's like, yeah, they they're they're all over you, mate. They they want you, they want to meet you when you get back. So then I'm like, and my head's gone all over the place. I'm like, <laughs> I love Wimbledon. Yeah. I love everything about Wimbledon. They offered me a contract. I think it was about a grand a week. Um, and I'm thinking, Bournemouth League One. Yeah, I got released two years ago from... Yeah. Two and a half years ago from League Two, you know. And uh, I knew Bournemouth because Jess had been at uni there. loved the place thought this is a great opportunity I need to make this happen and it was mm. a bit messy it was a bit messy getting out of Wimbledon they, they obviously didn't want me to leave um, I thought that uh, Wimbledon up, uh, Bournemouth up their bid to 100 grand I was like that's a no-brainer like 100 grand for me of course you're going to take that and they were like no <laughs> ah. they said no we're not going to accept that and so I sort of ended up digging my heels in a little bit um, and oh. saying look I I want out, you know, you're holding me back, sort of went in with that yeah. attitude and, and it ended up happening. I didn't burn any bridges at all. No. I did it, I did it amicably, but but it it if I didn't do that, it wouldn't have happened. Mm. I would have I would have still still been there. That's uh, a massive opportunity, you know, it's huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. Mm. Um yeah, and then, then then there I was, League One playing for Bournemouth. Was it a hundred grand in the end? I thought it was higher. It was what? I thought it was higher than a hundred. Hundred grand plus bolt-ons, but I don't think the bolt-ons oh. happened. I had to play. Well, I might have. I think. Yeah, I think every thirty games there was extra money. I played about forty games of Bournemouth or something, so they probably got one extra payment out of them. Oh, okay. I always thought it was higher. I know it was undisclosed at the time. I think it was, wasn't it? So, um, so AFC Bournemouth. Some big Looking players squad, there. There's there's some very good players in that squad. Uh, people people that are still there <laughs> have played in the Premier League and yeah massive Steve so Cook. again I I speak about mentality of football so much and the ebbs and flows of confidence and self-belief is everything in football everything because you don't become a bad player overnight mm-hmm. you don't go in form or out of form it's all up here in your head all up here in your head and that's just what happened with me at Bournemouth I went from sort of a big fish at Wimbledon, you know, couldn't really be more confident, you know, would would try anything on the pitch. And then, yeah, was like, 
shit, this is a step up. Um, didn't necessarily feel out of my depth, but definitely knew the, the fear of making a mistake. It was what happened. Mm. I started to think, if I make a mistake today, I'm not going to play next week. I've got Harry Arter, mm. like wanting to come in, take my place. I've got, you know, like proper players, like proper yeah. players wanting to take my place. And the fear of failure really um, overtook me, to be honest. Uh, I got injured early on. Got about six to eight weeks out, I think I was. And then got back fit, was in and out of the team, would play play a game, be on the bench for a game, play a game. Be, it was really hard like to to establish myself, really, as a, as a player there. And um, I regret I regret the way that I was. I... I I put way too much pressure on myself and I didn't deal with the uh, sort of self-doubt that well at all. Um, and that just fizzled out. That, that took my time. But first season, I think I played maybe 30 games, 35 games. And then um, all the money started plowing in. So the Russian guy took over, Max Denham, the end oh, of right. that season. Yeah. End of my first season. And... Um, and it just went bananas. So when I joined, um, when I joined Wimbledon, there was a there was a two grand a week wage cap because two two or three years prior they were literally in administration, one mm. game away from going out of the football league, and the, the club would have gone right. So they instilled a wage cap for players, so that everyone really you knew was on around that money. And then suddenly this Russian guy comes in, and we're signing championship players. We're signing the best players in League One on like four or five grand a week. It was ridiculous. Like I remember that summer, every time I'd look at my phone, sign another player, sign another player. So I'm sat there in the summer as a Bournemouth player going, there's absolutely no chance I'm playing next year. We just signed another championship player, another championship player. Um, and then I went back pre-season. It was fairly obvious I was not going to get a look in. You know, it was like, um, I came back as fit as I've ever been as well. Like I worked so hard in the off season and uh, felt so sharp and so fit, but I was clearly not going to play, clearly not going to play. And then, and then the conversation came about a week prior to season starting. Look, you're not going to be on the bench first game of the season. Um, you're not, you, you know, unless we get injuries, you're not going to feature much. What do you want to do? So I want to, uh, I need to go on loan. I can't sit here. I'm 25 now. Can't sit here not playing. So yeah, I went back on loan to Wimbledon, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean about burning bridges. I didn't burn any bridges there. Terry Brown signed me straight back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a three month spell there. Yeah. When you were at Bournemouth, would you have ever thought that like playing alongside the likes of, um, sort of Steve Cook, Simon Francis, that they would ever make it to play in the Premier League? You never know. Absolutely no? not. No really? Wow. I don't think they would have said it at the time. Mm. Absolutely not. Like, Bournemouth, that season, were a, were a mediocre League One team. We weren't even a good League One team. We finished eighth or ninth. And um, Cookie was a good mate of mine. I don't speak to him that often now. Steve Cook went to... Uh, Miami with him with his his girlfriend and Jess and uh, I if you would have told me then he would play in the Premier League like 
I'd say I had a better chance of playing in the Premier League. Mm. And that's not because he was a bad player, by the way. No, because I think he's quite good. He would admit this. He'd admit this. His attitude mm. he came from Brighton. Brighton released him because, because of his attitude. He was the worst trainer by a mile. <laughs> right? He'd go out on a Sunday night and get pissed. He'd um, you just n- not what you'd think of a Premier League football. What the difference is, is Eddie Howe. Ah, the difference is Eddie Howe. I never, unfortunately, got to play under Eddie Howe. I signed for Bournemouth when Eddie was at Burnley. And um, I and left. Lee Bradbury. Lee Bradbury. At Lee time. Bradbury signed me. Yeah. And then, um, and, and I terminated my contract. Mutual got paid out of my contract by Bournemouth, literally, as he came back. So I never got to work under Eddie Howe. But I was really close with all those Bournemouth lads, as you can imagine. And what they say about Eddie Howe is unbelievable. You know, yeah. he, they, he literally could was making players out of those boys. Simon Francis, I could get on board with. He mm. was awesome. You could tell he had he had Premier League quality about him. Harry Arthur as well, you could tell had Premier League quality. But someone like Cookie, no, absolutely <laughs> not. But Charlie right. Daniels, good player, really good player. I would have said at the time, no way is he athletic enough. We used to call him Joey Tribbiani. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, you know, he wasn't built like a footballer. He just wasn't. Mm. And, um, but he was good. He had a wonderful left foot. Mm. Yeah. Technically very good. But Eddie just transformed him. He just turned him into incredible athletes. Um, with a great understanding and built a self-belief into them, um, which I never experienced, unfortunately. I wish I did, but I never did. And um, and they just obviously went off Premier League. Mm. Crazy, oh, man. crazy. Eddie Howe did wonders there, didn't he? What a yeah. guy. Yeah. I can I can see what you mean by like uh, getting him into a really fit state. Because I mean, Eddie ain't too bad, is he? He still looks yeah. pretty pretty trimmed, didn't he, already? The lads would tell me about the training sessions, you know, it was it was so intense. Really? So if you put one misplaced pass, session stopped, you know, like, it'd be in your face. He was apparently a lovely bloke, but when it came down to, to like, work time, ruthless. The standards he was setting in League One were, like, nothing anyone's ever seen. And obviously that took him on to achieve just insane, mm. insane things. I've watched a training session with Eddie, um, like a sort of, you know, behind the scenes sort of thing. Um, and yeah, what I got from it was, um, yeah, he's quite intense, but at the same time, he's quite psychological because yeah. he would, I mean, I, obviously a lot of coaches do this, but he'd stop it and then ask the players their thoughts after what had just happened and said, yeah. what, what, what would you have done or what this, what could you have done and stuff like that rather than going in. So maybe he's changed a little bit. Maybe he's gone a bit, but yeah, he was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. He's one of my favorite coaches to, to, yeah. to watch and, 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 to and learn everyone, after. everyone I know that was playing for Bournemouth says the same thing. Yeah. Was, yeah. Whilst we're talking managers, um, what's it like getting signed by Martin Allen? Mad dog. Well, another story, another crazy story that only would ever only happen in football. I so <laughs> went alone to Wimbledon for three months, got made captain playing on loan yeah. for the club, which was weird. <laughs> um, 
Terry Brown, I went back there basically to try and save Terry Brown's job. They were rock bottom of the league in League Two. And I could have gone to bigger clubs in League Two on loan, but I wanted to go back to Wimbledon because I had that affiliation with them. And they, I say he was good at recruitment. He's, he's unbelievable at recruitment in lower league football, non-league football. He'd obviously made some poor decisions going into the league. Um, and the squad was not, not good enough, really. And so um, I had come from League One, right? So I was then used to that standard. Mm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and it was tough. It was tough, actually. In the first few few games, I was like, this, what, you know, the team's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. Terry's ran out of ideas. We're going back to playing long ball. He got sacked after three games, I think, of me being there, which was really, really sad. Was uh, his last game against Wickham? No. The first game after he got sacked was against Wickham. Ah, uh, right, okay. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so he left. Um, but then they, they brought in Neil Ardy. So there was a couple of games into him before, before they brought Neil in. Neil Ardy came in, who again, by the way, I would say is the best coach I've worked with. I've not worked with Eddie, so I wouldn't know. But yeah. Neil Ardy was brilliant. Like, really, really good. And, um, and he just took a liking to me. I mean, for him, he, he's obviously come into the, to the... He obviously knows him on loan. But he's come in and he just decided that I was the right man to be captain. So he made me captain whilst I was on loan. And amazingly, we, we end up playing MK Dons in the FA Cup. First time ever that Wimbledon met MK in the, in the FA Cup. Oh. So there's a huge occasion, you know, t- live on ITV. Um, I was captain. It was a massive, massive deal. Um, so I'm grateful that I got to experience that. It didn't end that well. I missed the sitter in the last minute and uh, oh, no. ended up losing. But it's still really probably the biggest game I've played in, I would say. Yeah, that's a historical moment, that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So, yeah, anyway, get back to Martin Allen. So, um, so again, right. So then I'm like, right, I'm just going to sign for Wimbledon. I love this club. I really love this club. I enjoy playing here. I'm, I'm well-liked. I'm captain. My loan spell ended on the 5th of December at, um, at um, Wimbledon and I couldn't sign for anyone until the 1st of January, right? In the meantime, I've agreed to be paid out my contract at Bournemouth, right? So I had, a, I had till the end of the season left at Bournemouth. I didn't want to go back there. They didn't want me there. So we agreed to settle, you know, so they didn't have to pay me anymore. Um so then I had like four weeks off, basically, which was unheard of for a footballer to have Christmas off. <laughs> I, I'd already agreed to sign for Wimbledon. So I was like, this is great. I've got four weeks off knowing that I'm going to go back and play for Wimbledon. I was doing your training session with him, but, but I also went on holiday. And um, literally 30th of December, Martin Allen rings me out of nowhere. Right? Mad dog. Rings me What's up. that like? Could you answer the phone? It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's oh, Martin, mate, Allen. Martin Allen. All right, mate. <laughs> right. Martin Allen is on the way, on the team bus, right on the way back from South End. Um, rings me up and he goes, "Steve, Martin Allen here, Gillingham manager. Um, you're going to come sign for Gillingham." That's what he said. 
I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you, uh, you, you're going to come up tomorrow, meet me in Gillingham, and we'll, we'll, we'll agree on the contract, and you're going to come, and you're going to win the league with Jim, Gillingham this year, and you'll play in League One next year. Right? Bear in mind, Wimbledon are rock bottom of the league. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Not again. It's that spanner in the works again. Mm. I should just be at Wimbledon happy, you know, loving playing football every week. And now I've got this dangling carrot again of playing in League One and proving myself that I can play at that level. Just being a bit personal, what, at that time, what was the difference in sort of salary between Wimbledon, Rock Bottom and then Gillingham? Big. I can imagine, yeah. Big, big enough. So Wimbledon, honestly, didn't have a lot of money at all. So Wim, <laughs> the way Wimbledon's run is, is flawless, by the way. They're one of the only clubs that are not in debt. The, mm. uh, the chief exec is an accountant not your average chief exec in football. He's really straight-laced. And they do not spend one penny over what they bring in. So their wage budget is small because of that. And they it was mid-season as well. So they're, they're, you know, they, and they knew I got paid up from Bournemouth. So they knew I just got a massive lump sum of money in my account. Mm. And they were playing on that, basically. Like, look, we'll offer you this to the end of the year. If we stay up, we'll give you this contract. So that was basically what the deal was. I think it was like 1,100 quid a week or something like that. And Gillingham come in and it was, I think I signed for 1,800, something like that. Wow, that's um, the difference. So yeah, anyway, I was kind of, in my head, I was like, don't go meet him. Don't go meet him because I know I'll sign. If I go meet him, I know I'll sign. Went and met him. Neil Ard was explaining to me on the way up there. Steve no. going, he's Neil Ard is a legend, right? He's such a nice yeah. bloke. He was like, Look, I know I understand why you're doing this. Um, but please just don't sign today. Whatever you do, don't sign today. We'll figure it out. Like, give us another attempt to try and make you an offer. I go up there, I don't sign. I um this is New Year's Eve. I ring up um Neil and say they've offered me this he was like Look, there's just no way we might be able to get to 1200 there's just no way <clears throat> I walked out of the stadium turned around walked back in and signed and uh, I signed a, a year and a half so and then if we get promoted my money was going up again he mm. won and yeah so signed for Mad Dog who was mad <laughs> was he <laughs> but, well, he would be with that conversation, though, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. what a confidence of the man, or mm. at least yeah. playing on the sort of persona of Mad Dog. I don't know. The persona of Mad Dog is 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 true, hundred percent. It's um, wow. he, but I respect I respect anyone that is honest and straight, and that is what he is. You know, I it's why I didn't really like Paul Lambert. I always felt like he, he was never telling you what he thought. Whereas Mad Dog would tell you 100%, 100% what he thought. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so we, I was going straight into a team that was just winning game after game after game. Um, they signed me because they sold uh, their kind of child prodigy, which was Jack Payne. Was playing mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Peterborough for quite a big fee. He was playing their holding midfielder. So I think it all happened really quick for them. Peterborough came in for a massive fee. Jack left and they were like, who can we get who's a holding midfielder to replace him? And they just picked me, basically. And um, Good bit of business, to be honest. 
I didn't um I didn't get off to that good start. I mean, I had four weeks off, you know, mm-hmm. thinking I'm just gonna walk straight back into Wimbledon's first team um and be captain probably. And so I hadn't looked after myself that well. I had a good Christmas and it took me a few games to get up to speed. The Gillingham fans didn't like me from the get-go. They they just sold their their like, you know, Jack yeah. had been in the first team since he was 17. Mm. Four years of like this god to them. He was one of their own, grew up in Gillingham. And so this lad comes in, Steve Gregory, who looks miles off the pace in game one. They Port Vale at home, who were second in the league. Um, I start, I lasted 60 minutes. I was miles off the pace and we lost 2-1. So straight away, they're like, who's this twat? You know what I mean? <laughs> but finally, you know, got fit, got up to speed. We, won- we win the league. Um, happy days. Mad Dog takes everyone to Benidorm. Like, usually you go to Vegas. <laughs> Gillingham go to Benidorm. The... the <laughs> The last game of the season, right? So we get we get promoted with three or four games to play, but he wants to win the league. Obviously, we want to win the league, and so we play whip of all things. We play Wimbledon at home to win the league, oh. Right? Oh. and they are fighting for their life. Okay, they need everything to stay up. So it's a real head fuck here. By mm. <laughs> and um, anyway, play the game. We're two 0 up at half time, and go into the dressing room and Mad Dog's in there in his underpants, nothing on other than his underpants. His, what? His, his black Labrador, his black Labrador sat next to him, right? <laughs> Who, by the way, goes everywhere. That, that for a start, isn't, isn't unheard. Like, the Labrador's yeah. everywhere. He's always in his change rooms, right? Mad Dog sat there eating dog biscuits in his underpants, right, with his big gut out. We walk in and we're like, <laughs> All right. Wow. And then he just goes nuts. We are he's like champion. He's half time of the game, mate. Next to Wimbledon. Like drinks everywhere. He's celebrating. We've won the league with two new up. <laughs> we, end up, we end up drawing the game to all. But oh. it, it didn't matter because I think Port Vale lost and we win the league anyway. Wow. Um, you should see mine. It, for people listening, you should see mine and Richard's face right now. We're uh, <laughs> quite best, ready, but... well, The best thing is, is that Wimbledon drew that game and ended up staying up. So it was like, it oh. was like win-win for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, win the league. One game left. You know, it's just a massive piss up from there on out. And then um, go to Benidorm. <laughs> come back. Come back to League One. Did he take the Labrador to Benidorm with him? <laughs> Did he take, he take the, the Labrador? No, nah, Labrador didn't come. <laughs> he could have played. Labrador came on pre-season tour next year. To- <laughs> wow. Bloody yeah. hell. Took him everywhere. And um, so, yeah, League One. So this ended up being my last season as a pro. So this is where it all, all kind of goes a bit sour for me. Already, by the way, at this point, I'm treating football very much like a job. Like for me now, kind of other than the, the games I was playing for Wimbledon, I would say. Well, as soon as I signed for, for Gillingham, it was business. It was not, there was no like, I wasn't waking up in the morning thinking I can't wait to go train. It was like, this is just a means to an end here. This is mm. a payday. You know, I was not enjoying it. And then in my second year at Gillingham is when it all, I was like mentally, found it really difficult 
but was managing to perform on the pitch, to be fair. Like, I had a really good season, um, which is what I'm really happy about, is that my last professional season, I, I can help hold my head up high. Played, I think I, I missed one or two games the whole season in League One. But, but Peter Taylor was really the man that just crushed my soul with football. Really? Oh. Because I, I have such a high opinion of him. Yes. But, so, but obviously, yeah. Mine's so, not as high as yours, Rich, I must admit. But I loved it. I loved it. Are you looking for Really? Mm. Right, okay. So, um, so Martin Allen, so we, we get off to the worst start in history in League One. I think we lose seven games in the bounce. Martin Allen goes from legend of a guy celebrating with his two horrible, you know, like oh. if that's the thing with Martin Allen, there's no there's no grey area. Either he is calling you up at 11 o'clock on a Saturday after a game, pissed, saying how much he loves you, or it's hell, right? There's no, there's no in-between, mm. okay? And so we're in League One, which I think is the highest he's been as a manager, by the way. He's like a League Two kind of manager. Yeah. Yeah. And he's lost seven games on the bounce. He puts, I think he put half the team on the transfer list, right? Me. I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Transfer listed like the bigger name players. He transfer listed. So mm. me, Charlie Lee, Chris Welpdale. Oh, Charlie Lee. Uh, oh, Chris Welpdale was a good player. Yeah. Um, I'm still good mates with Chris. Actually, he's, he's a good lad. And uh, three or four other lads that were playing every week. By the way, he just transfer listed. But in his in his defence, he told us. It wasn't like it was out of the blue. He said to us, I need a fucking reaction here. I need a reaction. Nothing's working. Uh, this is my last thread of the lives. I'm going to put you on a transfer list and it's going to come up on Sky Sports News that you're all transfer listed, right? And we were like, are you, are you joking? Like, what? It's a bit he was extreme. Like, you're not, you're not. He was like, you're not going anywhere, but I need everyone in this team to know that no one is safe, okay? So he, he went to that extreme, mate. That's... That is mad dog, right? That's mega, yeah. Anyway, it's madness. Kind of, he, he, got sacked. he got sacked a week later. Um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and they brought Peter Taylor in. Gee, I... And um, initially, my initial impression of him was quality. Brilliant. Like, he had a conversation with me after, like, second or third training session. I really like you, Greg's. You know, my type of player. Um... I think I can help you, blah, blah, blah. But he just, he took all the fun out of the game. Whatever fun I had left in the game, took it all out. Mm. It was like robotic. It oh, was, right. you know, when I say people can be honest with you, he was the opposite of that for me. He was um, just, he's not a nasty bloke, by the way, but he just, um, he just got it all wrong, in my opinion. And the thoughts I had been having about football just went completely. I lost the love. I was waking up in the morning, like, thinking about calling in sick. You know, like, if a game got called off, I'd be happy. You know, like, wow. all these things that you just, mm. you don't ever grow up wanting to be a footballer for these reasons. I, and I just was like, there's this, you know, I definitely wasn't depressed, by the way, but I was like, anxiety through the roof. Mm. Um, was he picking you? Were you playing? Played every week. 
and he'd always say he liked me, but like there were certain things that I just was like, it's a bit snaky. Yeah, snaky. Um, you know, he'd say things in the press and stuff that were really like derogatory and like not derogatory, it's the wrong word, but like criticizing. Mm. And so, yeah, just little things, mate. And, and everyone would say the same. You know, there was no, there was no loyalty to him and the team at yeah. all. And then, um, were I results was, going your way? Were results going going his way or ugly? It was it was awful. I felt sorry for Gillingham fans watching it. It was. Really? I think he's saving his own back there. He's saving his own reputation there, isn't he? Criticizing. Yeah. So it was so uh, like every training session was just shape. Like, how do we not concede goals? And then. Like, no, just nothing, robotic, basically. And um, we would scrape the odd one nil here, 2-1, like, get by. We that was it. probably why he got a job with the FA. <laughs> no, that's, that's, in my opinion, I could be completely wrong here, I think he's, uh, he's not doing enough coaching. Mm. If, you're, if he's literally just doing shape, with all due respect, League One, League Two players, you can get away with that in the Premier League. Yeah. Because those players already have attacking instincts, they already build relation, they build relationships and stuff like that. They're very, very intelligent players. But if you're not building an attacking point of view yeah. at a League One level, yeah, then you're sort of going into games when you get the ball and going, well, what do you want so, us to do? So, so, yeah, but literally it would be like, right, Gregs, if you get the ball, you have to pass it there, right? Oh, and if I did, God. there was no freedom. There was no freedom. Yeah, at all, I'd say. And like, I remember losing, I have never, I'm a really placid guy. Obviously on a football pitch, you know, you have to be fiery. I've never lost it at a manager. And I squared up to him, MK Don's away in the change room at halftime. I just lo- I just saw red. I lost it. I, I remember it. I got a throw and received a throw in. And he just wanted me to play it back, like straight to the fullback or whatever. You know, you know, like bounce it back to him. Yeah. And I turn and went to hit this big diagonal pass and overhit it and it ended up going off. And I heard him. I just heard him. Like, I can't remember what he said, but I just heard him from the dugout say something. And I just I just saw red. It was like a minute before half time. I saw red. I went into the change room. I can't remember what I said because I was it's all a blur, but I properly yeah. lost it. Um he that probably built up from not enjoying football. Yeah, mate. Didn't it? Yeah. It. it all came to just, a head there. Just, yeah. Um, anyway, at this point, um, I've started to write business plans and stuff. You know, like we, I was living in London. I had been living in London since I signed back for Wimbledon. Didn't move out towards Gillingham. Was just commuting out to, out to there. And um, my wife, you know, loves fitness. She was going to like boutique gyms, studios, One Rebel, Barry's Bootcamp, all these really cool places. And I'd go with her every now and then. And I was like, I'm thinking of a way out of football. And I think this is, you know, I've got a bit of an understanding of being a PT for two years. I think this model would work really well back home. Mm. Where, where I live now, you know, where we're from. Where we're from, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I used to get the train out from Victoria to um, Gilliam every day, right, writing. I didn't know how to write a business plan, but just sketching down notes just sort of like trying to figure out how much money would I need to set it up? Like, just all these different bits and bobs. And the more I was doing it, the more I wanted in on it. Like I was just starting to think, 
I'm hating my life now at the minute playing football. Um, and I'm quite an impulse person. Like I am quite a impatient guy. So I was like, right, okay. I'm obviously not going to just walk away from a contract, right? I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm earning good money here. Yeah. So anyway, Peter Taylor, um, in I don't know, a couple of games for the season, he was into his uh, office, right? Here's your contract for next year. Okay, we, we, you've had a really good year. Um, this is what we're willing to offer you. Um, I think it was about... 2,200 or something um, for a year and I was like sweet okay I'll do another year like I'll take it yeah really because um, what I mean I'm not going to walk away from it right because yeah. I, I, in my head as well I'm like this will take it's a good. long time to build up and I could probably yeah. build this whilst I'm still playing football right so I was thinking of it as a side hustle at the time and so I was like yeah okay thanks a lot um, deal done. So then I have a meeting with him on the Tuesday after the last game of season. Season finishes on Saturday. Go in, and I think I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to sign my contract. Right? I walk into his office, sit down, and I'm like, something's weird here. He said, "Look, I know we've agreed the contract, um, but there's a lad that's come available from Port Vale. I can't remember his name now." Um, <laughs> And we're gonna go. We're gonna go with him. We decided that we're actually gonna take him. Thanks so much for everything you've done. That's it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't lose it because in my there was part of me that was happy, but also like, what are you talking about? I've got yeah. rent to pay on a flat flat in Fulham. Mm. Uh, my wife said, like, what? What do you mean? This is my life. And he was like. Sorry, that contract we offered you two weeks ago is no longer there. We've gone with this other guy, right? So train back into London, like, I'm jobless. I haven't got a job. I haven't got any money. Like, what am I going to do? So, yeah. So then, obviously, you're on your phone to your agent. You're like, what's out there? What's going on? i got no offers from anyone in League One, right? So I've just played every game in League One. I had a two, two, over a two grand a week contract on the table two weeks ago. And now I can't get a single sniff from a League One club. My head just gone. I was like, this is it. I'm done. I hate this game. I hate, I hate the politics in it. I hate the fact that you've got no control over your life. Yeah. I'm going to have to now move up north or somewhere to go and find a contract in League Two. There's probably half the money that I was expecting to be earning. I'm done. This is it. I'm done. And then, uh, <clears throat> so... Anyway, we had to literally overnight make a decision where we're going to live. So um, I'd bought a house back in um, Chino, just outside Chino, and, uh, which was rented out. And luckily the rent was coming up to the end. So I was like, look, we're not going to rent in Fulham. It's ridiculous money. Let's just move back and pay our mortgage. So Jess was working in Richmond. She had to hand a notice in um, wow. as a teacher. You know, all these things people don't really see yeah. um, as fans, but it happens. Um, luckily she got a job locally um and then i i so then i decided that's what i'm going to do i'm quitting i'm going to play part-time earn a few hundred quid a week and set up a business and then um gary waddock rings me oxford manager uh who were in league two and was like oh by the way shrewsbury offered me a really good contract and i turn it down 
didn't want to move away. So Shrewsbury were in League Two. They offered me sixteen a week, sixteen hundred a week. Bloody hell. Yeah. Good deal. Um, yeah. And I was, That's in the middle of nowhere, though, isn't it, Gregs? <laughs> mate, straight away, I said no. I'm not doing it. Just <laughs> said there's no way I'm moving over there. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to live away from you. Just got married. Um, turn that down straight away. But then Oxford come, right? It's like on my doorstep. Yeah. Offer me a one-year deal um, on peanuts. Like, not peanuts, but it was about a grand a week or something. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do that. Because at least then I've got a year to get my head around this. Like a transitional year, really. Mm. This is it, right? So then, I can't believe how long I've been talking, by the way. But uh, so, mate, I'm glued. Yeah, yeah, no. Brilliant, brilliant. Carry on, yeah. And then, I have to make it a two-parter, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't even got onto the stuff after after football, which I want to go into. <laughs> I better check. I'm in the bedroom. I think my wife wants to go to bed. Oh, all right, does she? No worries, um, mate. Uh, so then, um, pre-season starts. We're going to turn up, first day of pre-season. Like, yeah, let's sign a contract then. Gary Waddick's not there, right? And uh, the assistants there taking the guy just passed away. What was his name? Um, um, Mickey Lewis. Mickey Lewis. Right, Mickey oh, Lewis. yeah. Lots of people loved him today. Mm. Yeah, led him. a lot of people out, yeah. Greets me in the change room. Steve, how you doing? Look. Gary's not here today. He's got a meeting with the uh, chairman. Um, it'll be in this afternoon. It's, two, it's a double session. Here's your kit. Great to have you, blah, blah, blah. Go and meet the boys. Went into dressing room. All right, yeah, quality signing today. Steve Gregor, lovely lads. And then go out, train, do loads of running. And then a meeting is called at lunchtime. All right? <laughs> you couldn't write this stuff. Go in. Thing, press officers there and says the the um, ownership of the club has changed so in, re- in, in the last week the club has been sold the new owner has decided to relieve Gary of his services by immediate effect Gary Waddock's no longer the manager of Oxford right so I've agreed a contract with this man and again I've got a lot of time for Gary Waddock I've come across him a few times in my career he's always been an absolute legend and uh, he, he has just been sacked, by the way, pulled me into his office and just apologised. And I thought, what a thing to do. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't have to do that. He just said, I'm, I'm so sorry that this has happened. Because he, he understands what it's like as a footballer, you know. And I told him about Shrewsbury, sort of used Shrewsbury as a bit of a um, bargaining tool, mm. you know, to mm. get a bit more money out of them. And uh, he knew I turned that down and that's now... So he was really apologetic and I was like, it's fine. Like, this happens, don't worry. Michael Appleton comes in. Oh, yeah. Doesn't even know who I am. So he's like, I'm, so I haven't signed, obviously. Um, I come in, I think I had a few days where they were like, all right, let's just let the dust settle, get a new manager in. And then they ring me up and they're like, Michael wants you in on trial because he hasn't seen you play. And I was like, sorry? Yeah, come in for a two-week trial. And I just said, nah, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. And that was it. Decision made. No longer was I going to be a professional footballer. Done. Don't, just quickly, Greg, don't, don't you know Michael now? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I was going to, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If we, like, he ended up being a member of my gym. So. That's it, yeah. 
Because <laughs> I said him knocking about where we live. Yeah. Did you make yeah. him pay like double the price? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd have been all right. Do you want me to tell you that conversation now? Or should I come on to it later? Um, actually, uh, I think we'll leave it there and save that for episode two. Leave them on a sort of line of duty cliffhanger. <laughs> um, it, it felt as nicely into part two about your career after football, Steve, and, and, and the fit life, the gym, you know, your tips around motivation and healthy living lifestyle. So um, thanks, Steve. And what we'll do is we'll return with part two later this week. So that was the end of part one of the Stephen Gregory episode. In part two, we talked to Steve about his gym, fit life. We also talked to him about his motivational videos on social media. Um, And we also talked to him about why fitness is so important for your mental health and obviously your physical health. So we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Hitting the Areas podcast. (laughs) Thank you.